Good morning, Southlands. My name is J.D. Sinkbile. I'm one of the pastors here at Brea, and so good to be with you today. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and open up to Romans chapter 15. It's been said in this season that we are actually fighting two pandemics. First, we have COVID-19, the virus, uh, the disease. But secondly, we also have the dis-ease that people are dealing with. I know, it's kind of cheesy. That's why I said someone else said it. But it, it is true. We are really struggling with the disease and the dis-ease of what is happening right now. And I know that over the last several weeks, people have um, really ex been experiencing just a myriad of emotions. First, we had just the fear, uh, then just the, the craziness of trying to adjust to the stay-at-home orders. And then for many people, uh, the boredom has set in. And I'm starting to hear things like, what are we doing? It has to stop. I've watched everything that's on Netflix. I don't have any more house projects that I can possibly do. I actually looked over the fence this week and my neighbor was washing out his uh, little s'mores fire pit. And he said, I'm getting ready to repaint it. I was like, what the heck, man? And he's like, I am down on all my house projects. I can't do anything else. He's like, I already took all the light fixtures, my outdoor light fixtures, and took them apart and washed the window panes and put them back together. And just the craziness and the boredom, this is where we're at. But now I've experienced in, in the last week, as I've been talking to people, as there's this move towards reemerging, that there's a new uh, round of or new wave of emotions that is happening. People are now starting to get anxious and fearful about what going back to work will mean. What does moving forward and seeing the country reopen actually look like? And what will it mean for us? In our text today, Paul is starting uh, to close his letter to the Roman church. He has finished his theological treatise of the gospel. He's exhorted the church of what it looks like to live in Christ and to follow Jesus. And now he moves toward just articulating his mission ahead. What he's going to do, he's preparing uh, to go to Spain, his next gospel frontier. And so first he's going to return to Jerusalem so that he can take them a monetary gift that he's collected from churches around the region to bless them and support them in their crisis. But then he's going to go to Spain via Rome. And so he's not going to go for long, but he wants to stop over and see this church in Rome. And so he writes to let them know that his long uh, desire to see them is finally going to come to fruition. And as Paul lifts our eyes to the hope of the gospel as it continues forward in the mission, I believe that there's much to instruct us for our mission as a church as we begin to reemerge from the stay-at-home order and continue uh, to move forward in our ministries, but also uh, as time allows to start to come back and to gather together. And so I've entitled this message, The Spirit of the Reemerging Church. And so let's open and look at Romans chapter 15, picking up at verse 13 
and I'll read through 22. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Ilicrum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have, been, have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is a reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of hope. And so we come to you this morning. Would you strengthen us? Would you lift our eyes to see you more clearly? Would you fill us with all joy and peace as we press forward in believing the gospel so that we would abound in hope? Would you be with us and would you be with me, Holy Spirit, as I proclaim your word this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen. My first point is that we need to reemerge with confidence in our calling. It's probably hard to feel confident right now. There's just so many things that have happened, the loss of job or maybe just even hours, uh, being having to stay at home. We're just not as productive, and it's been just a really humbling season in that way, that as we uh, aren't able to be about all the things that we are, that our identity actually is impacted how we see and view ourselves. I mean, for instance, like, I'm wearing shorts right now as I preach. I mean, it's business on top, but it is a party on the bottom. You know why? Because I'm preaching to a camera again, and I can, because you can't tell, and so it's just this weird season of not being able to do things that we'd normally do. And as I was with my life group last night uh, on Zoom talking, we were just talking about how the loss of productivity really challenges and comes against our identity. It causes us to question who we are. And so it is hard to be confident in the season. And so the question is, what should we do when we lack confidence? was verse 13, which we looked at last week, and it's so good that we need to look at it again this week, says that, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So as we believe in God, as we believe in the gospel, that it actually brings joy and peace. 
And God fills us with fresh hope so that we abound in hope, so that we we keep our confidence. We're able to continue to move forward, not because we see ourselves so much in what we do, but who we are saved by Jesus. We need to consider the source of our confidence in this time. And I think Paul's a great person to look to because he was a tent maker by trade. He put himself uh, just around his travels and his ministry. He was always working and producing. But as we know, Paul experienced much hardship where he was shipwrecked, where he was beaten, where he was imprisoned, where he wouldn't have been able to be productive in the way that he was used to. But the reason that he was hopeful, the reason that he was confident is because his confidence wasn't fueled by what he was able to do, but by who he was. He was a minister of the gospel called by Jesus. And that was the source and the fuel for his confidence. And as Paul kind of moves to close his letter, we see him, it seems that he just has a sense of like, oh, I hope that they have heard and received my writing well. Because he's been very direct. He's been very bold in his writing. He has exhorted them. He has uh, called them. He has said hard things. And so he wants to make sure that they know and understand his love for them, that they've heard his tone. And so as he closes his letter, he makes a point to clarify his affirmation and affection for this church. In verse 14, he says, I am satisfied with you. He feels good about them. He feels great about who they are in Christ. Jesus says, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. This is an incredible part of the bride of Christ. The spirit of a God is alive in them. And so Paul affirms them. He says, you are filled with all knowledge. They have received and they have believed the gospel. They know the truth that Jesus saves. And so he writes, not because they don't know it, he exhorts them to stand firm in the gospel, to believe the gospel, not because they don't believe it, but because he wants them to remember who they are. He wants them to remember their identity, that they are loved and saved and known by God. And because they are able, they themselves are able to instruct each other. They can remind each other of the good news of Jesus Christ. They can encourage each other in it daily. That no matter what comes against them, they can stand confidently because they are Christ. And so Paul writes with bold confidence because he has been called as a minister of the gospel by grace alone. See, he knows his testimony is that he has received the unmerited, the undeserved, the merciful grace of God, the favor of God on his life. Jesus saved Paul when he was in rebellion, a persecutor of the church. But Jesus called him, and now he is an apostle of the church of Jesus Christ. There's no way Paul is qualified. He's not qualified for the job but he's received a calling from Jesus. And so he stands with confidence and he encourages this church to stand in confidence. And so I want to take a cue from Paul this morning, Southlands. I want to affirm you. Uh, You are an incredible church. I want to affirm the goodness in you. I know many of you feel disqualified right now. There's a whole group of uh, newly initiated homeschool parents that are about to lose their minds. 
and, and they're questioning who they are as parents. And I just want to say, no, there's goodness in you. You were given kids to love because God saw fit for you to raise kids. And you, uh, in him, can have the patience to stand firm in that calling. And so would you look to Jesus and would you be encouraged, not because of how good you feel, but because of the goodness of grace that has been placed in you. I want to give just a couple of shout outs to people that have brought me so encouraged, so much encouragement during this season. Britt Edmondson is leading our junior hires right now, and he's continued on in the ministry of discipleship with that age group. And as you can imagine, it is difficult uh, getting a bunch of seventh and eighth graders to participate and to pay attention. Uh, and yet Britt has carried on and he gets on with them every week. He does fellowship. He's teaching them gospel. Well done, Britt. I think of uh, Steve and Lauren Wetzel. It's been a season of, uh, on top of COVID, just great grieving. They, they, Lauren lost her dad this year. They recently saw one of their foster kids that they had loved and helped raise move on. And yet they have pressed forward in faith. And it, by the grace of God, they've launched a new life group and they're leading that life group. And those people who had never met each other before are now experiencing community and the Wetzels are loving them and they're receiving love for, from that life group. So well done. That is so encouraging to hear. Lauren has organized meal trains for um, mothers, uh, new mothers, and they have just continued to pour themselves out and to love. And Steve is stressing because he leads our ops team here and he's thinking about coming back together and just what that's going to take. And so they have been so others focused and there's just goodness in them. And I could go on and on with examples of how that has been true of this church in this season. This is a community that pursues knowledge and instructing each other. You guys have been faithful to log on to watch the sermons online. You've been faithful to gather in life groups, to encourage, to pray for each other. You've gotten uh, in Zoom rooms to pray for each other. You guys have done so well. We've seen new marriage and family courses started and, and people pressing in to understand God's word. There's groups for people struggling with anxiety. Church, you have done so well. But can I also be bold towards you and remind you to hope? Let's remember God's grace extended to us. Uh, God has given us a calling, and we need to remain confident in that. Just a couple weeks ago, our church celebrated its 53rd birthday. We have so much history of God's faithfulness to this bride, to this lampstand. He has kept our light glowing for decades. And in this recent season, he has just grown us into this unique combination of word and spirit. Uh, being a gospel-centered church, spirit-empowered community on mission. This is who we are as a church. And he's given us a mantle uh, to be a, a strengthening church, to be a planting church. Uh, just like the early church that we read about in Antioch, we, we see that Southlands has a call to multiply and to strengthen, to multiply points of light in the Southlands. That's our calling as a church. And so I want to remind you of that. And would we stand firm? Because it's a calling that we've received by grace. Not because we're actually good enough for the job or because we could achieve this on our own, 
but because God has seen fit. And so could we be confident in hope? And so as we reemerge, let's do it with faith. Let's reemerge with hope and stand fast in our calling. God still has great things for this church. And I truly believe that as we stand fast and we seek his glory, that our best days are ahead of us. So we need to reemerge with confidence on our calling. And secondly, we need to reemerge with a holy ambition for the exaltation of Christ Jesus. Paul opens his letter with a statement that his letter is an articulation of his gospel. He says, the prophets promised, and God has been faithful to send a Messiah. That man who is Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world. And in both chapter 1 and in chapter 16, Paul talks about this salvation that comes from Jesus, and he talks about his calling. He says this in chapter 1 in verse 5, that the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. And this phrase, to bring about the obedience of faith, is what Paul feels that he is called to do. That is his primary role. And so then again in chapter 16, he ends the letter by saying, God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel through the preaching of Jesus Christ to bring about the obedience of faith. And in our chapter today in 15, again, he has this phrase that he's going, he adapts slightly and it says to bring about the Gentiles to obedience. See, this is Paul's mission. He wants to see people come to the obedience of faith, that they would put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And he is passionate about it. He says, I venture to speak not of anything except Jesus Christ. He has a holy ambition for the exaltation of Jesus. He has a singular focus for how he comes about his ministry. And he says to the Corinthians church, I have decided to know nothing among you other than Jesus Christ. He tells the Galatians church in Galatians, boast in Jesus and his cross alone. In verse 16, he says, for I'm not of chapter one, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then also to the Greek. See, Paul believes that this gospel about Jesus, that he saves sinners by grace alone, through faith alone, is his primary mission. And so everywhere he goes, he has a passion and an ambition to proclaim Jesus. And Paul would want me this morning to, to pause at this moment and say, listen, if you are just listening in, maybe you're not a part of our church or you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but maybe you're a family member and someone from our church has this on in your house and so you're being subjected to this sermon. Or maybe in this season you've just been looking for hope and so you've started to tune into these messages. Paul would want me to tell you, would you put your faith in Jesus today? Don't wait any longer. Would you turn to the God of hope and would you receive his mercy and his grace, his forgiveness? You don't have to be enough. You don't have to be good enough. You can just respond to the simple gospel that God loves you, that he's provided a way for you, 
to experience reconciliation and relationship with him through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you. And so would you decide and would you respond? Paul is also ambitious uh, to be a pioneer. Picking up at verse 19, it says that he has went around that known world uh, from Jerusalem to Ilicrum, and he has fulfilled the ministry of the gospel. He's boasting about what Jesus has done. And he says in verse 20, thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. See, Paul had a unique calling, an apostolic calling to go to the Gentiles. And so it doesn't mean that the gospel has completely saturated that area. It means that Paul feels he has planted churches strategically in the different cities in that region. And so now there is... A, a light that exists. And those churches will now be faithful to continue the mission uh, of discipling and evangelizing people in those regions. And so now Paul lifts his eyes and he looks on to Spain where the gospel has not yet gone. And he wants to go to the Gentiles in that region and to see the gospel go forward. And so Listen, church, we might not have the same apostolic calling that Paul has. You might not have a pioneering calling to go to the nations, to, to move to different countries. But listen, we all are called to make disciples, to build the church, to proclaim Jesus, to care for people, to pray with each other. We are partakers in the great commission of Jesus Christ. And so would we be ambitious also in our proclamation of Jesus Christ? Would we be ambitious to exalt Jesus? Some are called to pioneer. Some of you are called to be missionaries to other nations. You're called to plant churches, college ministries, cross-cultural ministries. Others, you're called not to go, but to stay, to be faithful locals. Called to faithfully disciple your family, your work in your neighborhood, and to build your local church to help send others to the nations. You're called to be a priest in your street, in your area, in your place of residence. And so church, would you stay ambitious, cultivate a holy calling to proclaim Jesus? And I just want to speak to those of you who are pioneers. Um, this has been a hard season. We've had people that have returned from overseas who desire to be in foreign nations planting the gospel. And they've had to come back because of the crisis of the pandemic. And I just want to encourage you pioneers, this is a season to prepare. Don't lose hope. Uh, God is still calling us as a church to go to the nations. And so would you stand firm in that? And would you prepare in prayer and study and remain flexible and agile? We see all throughout the book of Acts that Paul remained agile, that he would feel a calling towards one place, and then God would redirect. And even now, as he wants to go to Spain, he decides to go to Jerusalem first so that he can be merciful to that church, so that he can equip and strengthen them. And so he remains agile. And then faithful locals, I actually believe that this is our time. I believe that there's more opportunity now maybe than ever to actually be ambitious about the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Your neighbors are hurting. They are open. They are asking questions. Your family members, your friends from work. Would you be ambitious to take the season? 
Would you harness what God is doing and would you proclaim Jesus? This is our season. And so we need to be a people of hope. Are you ambitious to exalt Jesus? See, we can wrongly demonize ambition. I think sometimes in the church, we, uh, because we uphold uh, humility and meekness, being gentle, which is good and right. But listen, Paul models for us what it looks like to have a godly, holy ambition. And so let us be ambition to boast in Jesus Christ, to boast in his work, what he accomplishes. Paul, he boasts in Jesus. He doesn't say, this is from me, from my ministry. He says, this is through me. Let me boast. Let me tell you what I've done and how Jesus has worked powerfully through me. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul quotes Isaiah here, and part of the reason that, I, that Paul is so bold and confident is because he believes the promises of God. He believes that God is going to continue to do what he said and that he's going to save people. And so church, if you are struggling right now to remain confident, to remain ambitious and bold for the cause of Christ, is it possible that the reason that that has happened is because you're not so sure that it's actually going to pr prove worthwhile, that it's actually going to produce fruit? It's actually just easier to keep to ourselves and to avoid the disappointment and the failure. And I just want to say, would you look again to the promises of God? Because he promises to be with us. And the church, would we encourage each other. We actually need to boast right now. We need to boast to each other to actually encourage ourselves and lift our eyes. I've been so encouraged just to hear different boasts this week. As Al mentioned earlier, different life groups doing front yard worship. It's incredible. I love those boasts. I heard of a group of fathers and sons that just as they're wrestling with the implications of this time and asking big theological questions, they're starting to gather together to study systematic theology because they want to understand and know God's word so they can navigate the seasons of life. It's incredible. I would love to boast it just in things that I've seen happen. I've been leading uh, what I'm starting to call sidewalk church in front of my house on Sunday mornings. We gather at nine with neighbors to pray and worship. And it's just been incredible. Uh, Dan Long, uh, one of my neighbors who's a part of Southlands, is going to actually uh, do a devotion on Philippians chapter two this week. And he's going to talk to some of my neighbors who don't know Jesus about bowing their knee to Jesus. It's incredible. Uh, there's Alpha is going so well right now. We uh, are entering week seven. Would you continue to pray for us? We've just seen incredible faithful attendance and people are pressing in and looking to know and encounter Christ. It's an incredible season. And so would we stand firm and remain confident? Remind each other of your calling and of the promises of God. See, we started this year praying for revival and holiness. And here's the good news, church. COVID has not killed Jesus. In fact, he's still employed. He still has the same job. He is seeking his glory and building his church. COVID has not taken him out, and he is still passionate about the things that we thought he was passionate about months ago. 
That as we felt stirred by a church, that this would be a year where we would see the gospel go forward, where we would continue to baptize people, where we would be about the strengthening and planting churches. Is it possible that Jesus is using this season to actually grow the holiness that we knew we needed so that we continue to be ambitious for the calling that he's given us? Church, press forward. Let's be passionate. You want to talk about ambition. Let's baptize people, make disciples, and plant churches during a pandemic. That's what I'm talking about. All right, listen, if this all sounds a little overwhelming, and your current state of mind is just like, J.D., this great. It's hopeful. Listen, I know some of you like listening to me preach more on video than in real life because you can turn the volume down when I get excited. Listen, I, I know that that's the case. But listen, I just want to call us, church, to just lift our eyes. I've just felt stirred as your pastor that in this season to remind us to look and see where God's present. To not trust so much our feelings, but to trust his faithfulness. And so we need to be confident. We need to be ambitious. And third, we need to reemerge with an expectation of miraculous power for the mission because the spirit of God is with us. Look at the end of verse 18. Paul says that his mission is to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Paul fully anticipates that as he proclaims the gospel, then there will be miraculous power. Verse 19, the power of signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul trusts that the Spirit will be with him, that he'll be in him, that as he proclaims, the Spirit will take what is done and move forward, and there will be healings. There will be salvation, that God is going to work through him and it will be with signs and wonders. Church, as we reemerge, can we trust that the spirit is still alive and active? That God has placed his spirit in us so that we can miraculously see the work of God move forward and the mission come to completion? See, Paul's hope is always in God. He doesn't get distracted. I think even as he prepares to go to Spain, And if you know the story, it's likely that Paul maybe didn't even ever get to Spain, that he was actually stopped in Rome because he was imprisoned in Rome. And yet Paul remained hopeful. And I believe the reason is, is because his hope was not primarily in the work, but in the one who commissioned. His hope was in God and his hope and trust was that God would be with him wherever he called. This week on our prayer Zoom call, we were looking at the early church and we were just saying, okay, what did the church possess? Because it was so agile and so faith-filled that it was able to move forward even in the midst of persecution. And as we were praying, I was looking back and just trying to get the flow of the story and God just took my eyes to Acts chapter 9. And it's a place where Paul, who's still at that point called Saul, is saved and he immediately begins to proclaim the gospel in the synagogues. And he actually faces persecution. He has to flee the city because they're trying to kill him. And so he goes to Damascus and again he begins to proclaim the gospel and again there's persecution and they're trying to kill him and so he has to flee. But as he flees to Tarsus, picking up in Acts 9 Verse 31, it says this, So the church throughout all Judea 
and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It's incredible. When there was actually persecution to the point of fearing for their very lives, they didn't fear man, but they put their fear in the Lord and they received the comfort of the Holy Spirit and they moved forward and multiplied. It's amazing. Church, in this season, would we fear the Lord more than we fear the government, more than we fear the pandemic, more than we even fear the loss of life or the loss of job? Would we put our trust in the Lord because he's good, because he's faithful? And would we receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit and move forward? This is what this has looked like for me in, in the season with my wife, Michelle, and I. Uh, as I've told many of you before, it's been a season where my wife has experienced great anxiety. It's played out physically, and my wife is a counselor. And so every day she has continued to go to work to help other people who are struggling with fear and anxiety. And so I just pray for her in the morning. I usually, we, we hug and I lay my hands on her shoulders and I just pray and I ask that God would give her what she needs for the day. That the Holy Spirit would fill her and empower her. That she could be a source of truth and light to those who are hurting and in darkness. That she could actually speak the word of God into people's life and through that, that they could experience healing and freedom. And so this has just been how we've continued to every day seek the presence of the Holy Spirit, seek the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can make it through this time. And it's just been incredible to see how God has sustained us. Life hasn't been easy. All her symptoms of anxiety haven't went away, but God has sustained us and kept us unified, which is what he promised in chapter 15 as we looked at last week that we'll be unified, that we'll have harmony in the gospel, and that we'll have the power of the Spirit that we need for the day. It reminds me of Old Testament Israel in the wilderness. God didn't give them a storehouse of food. He gave them manna daily. And every day they would have to go out and they would have to collect the manna so that they would have what they needed for the day. God wanted them to be desperate and dependent on him daily. And in the book, uh, When I Am Afraid by Ed Welch, actually that the women's group, the support group for anxiety is going through, he says this about the manna. He says, can you understand why you worry when you think about tomorrow? You worry because you don't have what you need yet. If you imagine tomorrow's misery without tomorrow's manna, of course you are going to worry. Tomorrow's manna isn't, of the, on the ground yet. You have manna for today only. In his great wisdom, God doesn't give you tomorrow's manna today. Otherwise, you would forget him and trust in yourself. Southlands, God isn't going to give us yet all that we need to reemerge and see the mission go forward. He wants us to remain dependent on him. But he promises that he'll be with us. And he promises that as we continue to be faithful, that we continue to be confident and ambitious for the exaltation of Jesus Christ, that his spirit will go before us. That he will prepare the way and that he will work in and through us with power. And so church, would you keep hope? 
Would you stand firm in this season? And would you prepare to reemerge in faith? Let me close with this, where Paul closes chapter 15 at verse 30. He calls the church to stand fast with him in prayer. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Church, would you stand firm with us, with your leaders in prayer? We are standing firm praying for you. It is my prayer that you would know the God of peace, that you would be refreshed by his spirit in you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you don't just give us uh, marching orders that we have to go obey and try to fulfill in our own power and our own work, but that you promise to be with us. That not only, God, did you see fit to actually save us and to offer us your salvation, but that you saw fit to invite us into your mission, to give us of yourself, your very power, and called us to go and to make disciples. God, we thank you that you have kept Southlands, this lampstand burning for so many years. And we trust you now that we will continue to burn brightly for your glory so that you would be exalted, Jesus. Would you help us to be faithful in this season and to continue forward for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.